Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our online campus. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. So glad you're all here. Uh, we've had quite a week as a family uh, with some graduations and so forth. I want to show you some pictures. First of all, my daughter and her, their newlyweds and her husband, John, uh, both graduated from Southeastern University. John, yeah. John actually uh, went through our extension site of Southeastern here and has been on staff with us for a number of years in global worship for Next Gen. And then Greta uh, attended the Lakeland, the main campus of Southeastern in Lakeland. And uh, she is an educator and a teacher. And she's wanted to be one since she was about that big. And so dreams come true. Amen. When, uh, when they started to get serious in their relationship, Alicia and I both kind of eyeballed them and said, you're going to finish your education. And they both did. So that was a big thing. And then actually, I uh, went back to school. I've been back in school for about 10 years now. But a few years back, I I went back to uh, get my doctorate. And uh, so on Friday, I also graduated. And so there we are. And uh, I've been been wearing that robe around the house. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You're cutting into my teaching time. No, honestly, humbly, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, I've been wearing that robe a lot around the house, too. No, I have. And then uh, part of my family came out. I, I graduated in Springfield, Missouri. And so Alicia, of course, and then my son Lee, and then my oldest grandson, Gavin. It doesn't look like it there, but he had a blast the whole time. (laughs) And then my son-in-law, Chris, uh, he and my daughter, Elise, live in Nashville. He flew in to be with us, and then Elise flew in to be with John and Greta, whose graduation was the same day. So we had to split, you know, the family, but just a a wonderful occasion. Just real quick, too, on why did I go to school? I've had some people say, does this mean you're leaving now? I am not leaving uh, at all. I hear ice cream truck or something beeping. If somebody, <laughs> help your neighbor out, whoever that is, okay? All right. Um, I had one of my mentors, A.R. Bernard, a number of years ago say that when you, when you do this, when you add education, when you do that, you add value to yourself. And when you add value to yourself, you become more valuable for the kingdom of God and for the people you're called to serve. And so I want to be, if I were a chef, if I were a pilot, I would want to get the highest training that I could get. And so that's what I've done. And here is my heart's purpose is to bring more value, be more valuable to the kingdom of God and to the people that I serve. And so did this for you. And so I want to do a a great job. So thank you for your support and patience over all these years and a great big sigh of relief. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's dive right in. We're in a series through the Bible in seven weeks. And the reading guide, don't be afraid of the reading guide. It doesn't make you read all of it. It kind of has some high points and some things for you to go through. Uh, it's kind of like this. If you go into a certain place, you go, I don't know what's in that room. I'm a little afraid. I never go in that room. But if you turn on the lights and go in there and you find this room is awesome, 
you know, that's kind of what we're doing, going through the Word of God. My, my goal, and I believe my assignment, is to help kind of pique your interest so that uh, you'll want to get into God's Word. Because once you get into God's Word and get God's Word into you, it will change you. It is not just this collection of old books. It is the living uh, God-breathed Word of God, and it will do you right, I'm telling you. Look with me in Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do you ever need a little more light, a little more insight, a little more direction in your life? Come on, anybody? All right, three of you? Okay. Um, God's Word, I'm telling you, the regular, daily intake of, exposure to God's Word, um, God is able to bring us light for life in that way. And I can't encourage you enough of the benefits of God's word. Now, here's what you've got to do, though. You've got to pick it up. Everybody say, pick it up. You've got to pick it up. You've got to read it. You've got to believe it. You've got to follow it. And as you do that, that brings life change. Now, again, it's all connected. It's not just this collection of 66 books. God has tied it all together. It's like got fiber optics running through it. It's amazing. And uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And once you kind of see how it all fits together, it is not just intriguing and interesting. It is empowering in your life because it is God's word for our life. Amen? Now, let's look where we've been so far. We did the first five books, the beginning. Uh, this is the first five books of the Bible, the law, the Torah, also called the Pentateuch. Then we went to the history books. There were 12 of those. This is the period of time where Israel is in the promised land. Now, let me go over this real quick. Israel in the Bible is God's chosen people. That does not mean that they're his favorite to the exclusion of everybody else. He chose them to kind of put them in the store window uh, model uh, display for us to see what it could be like to have a relationship with a heavenly father, to be in a covenant relationship with God. And so his goal was not just to be good to Israel, but to be good to all as we would choose him. And so uh, the history books take us through there. Last week, we looked at the wisdom books, five of those, one of my favorite portions of, of all of scripture. And then today we're going to go into the prophets. Everybody say the prophets. We're going to go from Isaiah to Malachi, and I need to do some groundwork before we get into there. And so we've got 17 books. Uh, we're not going to go through all of those, but I want to set something up so that you are set up then uh, to go through the prophets, and there's so much to be gained. So have you ever done this? Have you ever had like a little grocery list, and it's like, oh, I've got to get milk and eggs and, and uh, uh, pantyhose? Well, not me. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, your list of things you've got to do. The day goes on and then you realize it's toward the end of the day and I have to have those things by tomorrow. And you realize, oh no, the store's almost closed. Okay. And, and you go to the store and as soon as you get your buggy or your cart, depending on where you're from, and, and you run in, the, run in there with your cart or buggy and the, they announce over the thing, attention shoppers, We'll be closing in five minutes. Please make your final selections. You're like, ah. So you're racing through the store, you know, to, to dairy, to produce, to bakery, to, to whatever to get all these things. Well, that's kind of what we're going to do today. We're going to run through the grocery store. We don't have time to read all the labels. Okay. Uh, but we're going to end up in a good, good place regarding uh, the profits here. Now, it is important, entirely important to locate 
where the prophets were in terms of uh, biblical history. As a matter of fact, this is a key. Everybody say key. This is a key to understanding the prophets is knowing what was going on at that time. Uh, Because they were sent to prophesy for a reason and for a season. And if we don't get this right, this is important, hear this. If we don't understand where the prophets were in biblical history, what was going on while these things, you're going to have a, a, a wrong view of God and of the prophets and of the Bible. So this is kind of turn on the lights for that. So all that being said, I need to kind of run through just real brief uh, biblical history, okay? So this will help us to get the picture and then we, we can start to run. Are you all with me? I'm going to do my best to not make this classroomish. You know what I mean? Um, so let's go back just to Moses, okay? Moses was a deliverer called by God, and he led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he led them up to the promised land. After Moses dies, who took over? Joshua became the leader, and Joshua took them into the promised land. So now they're in the promised land, a land that literally flows with milk and honey. It's just a blessed land, representative of what God wants to take us into in this life. And after this life is our true promised land. Now, they get into the land, and God's system of of leadership is called judges. So he has judges that, that rule over them. And then Israel said, we want a king. Why did Israel want a king? Because everybody else got one. Look at me. That's never a good reason to do anything. Okay? And so God finally relented. They have a king. Their first king was Saul. After Saul was King David. Uh, then David's son Solomon became the king. Let me point this out. That the time frame where David and then Solomon were the kings, that's the golden era of, of Israel. An incredible, great time for them. Solomon now dies and his son named Rehoboam, just a quick insider tip, don't name your kids Rehoboam, okay? <laughs> and so Rehoboam becomes the fourth king of Israel. And um, let me back up to what I called the golden era. David and Solomon uh, were the kings, uh, respectively. Uh, things were growing. Things were progressing. And that's the goal. You know, that's the hope. That's the desire that things would, you know, prosper and move on. Well, the, the, with that comes a lot of challenges. And so imagine a, a, this burgeoning nation growing and so forth. So there's infrastructure that has to be built. There are things that have to be put in place and built and and, and, you know, so many things developed and established and so forth. And so all of that's going on. Well, guess what that takes? That takes money and that takes labor. And so what they did, Solomon raised people's taxes. And he had to raise the money, so he had to raise taxes and it became burdensome to the people. Then also he had to have labor. And so what he did was actually he conscripted uh, the people. They actually were compelled. They were drafted, so to speak, to, to you know, it was forced labor. And, and you know, hey, you got to leave what you're doing and you have to come and work on, on what we're working on. Well, when Solomon dies and Rehoboam comes into power as the king, the king's advisors come to this new king and they said, hey, we just think as your advisors, it would be an incredible gesture to the people 
This will raise morale. And this is an important thing right here, okay? This will raise morale. People will be loyal to you. They'll be excited that you're the king. If you would do this, if you, if you kind of reduce the taxes, and let's change a little bit how we're forcing the people to labor. And he said, let me think about it. So he goes back to his own personal advisors. Can I tell you who they were? It was his buddies he grew up with. So when that happens, and we see it happen in our culture, somebody suddenly becomes rich and famous, and they have a little entourage, all their, the mooches, the sponges, you know, they, they want the money and the glory, you know, to just be a part of. Well, Rehoboam's got all his buddies, and he says, hey, the advisors are saying that I should do this. I should lower the taxes. I should ease off on some of the labor uh, requirements. And they said, no, don't do that, because then they're going to see you as weak. And you don't want to be weak. You want to be strong. So you need to go back and say, you want less taxes? I'm giving you more taxes. And just really laid it on them as far as taxes and labor. Guess what happened? This is a critical place in biblical history. Civil war. Civil war. Israel was made up of 12 tribes. And as a result of this, and they were all named after Jacob's 12 sons. Y'all still with me? I don't want you to get bored with this because this is so incredibly important. And to me, very exciting but I could be a nerd about some of these things. So they're named after Jacob's 12 sons. Well, the civil war takes place over Jeroboam's leadership. The 10 tribes move to the north, and uh, they're called Israel, the north of the promised land, Israel. The other two tribes stay in the south, and they're called Judah. And so all of this going on uh, now begins the breakdown. Everybody say breakdown. Their whole culture began to break down. The whole thing began to become a mess. Political, cultural, spiritual breakdown. All right, look at me. Enter the prophets. It's at this point that God sends the prophets. He's, he's in previous uh, generations and times has spoke to them in different ways, and now he's sending people to directly speak for him uh, about what's going on and to call the people to repentance. Everybody say repentance. And to try to call them back to their political, cultural, and spiritual sanity because this is breaking down so much and so God sends the prophets. Now, the words of the prophets were the words of God. God would use these people to speak for him to the people. And the first thing, and I know I just had you uh, repeat this, but I'm going to have you repeat again. The first thing they would do is call the people to repentance. Everybody say repentance. Well, what is repentance? It's a big old-fashioned Bible word that needs to happen in our lives quite a bit, and it just means this. It means you need to change how you're thinking, and you need to change your direction, and you need to direct them both back to God. So all of us need to do that from time to time. Okay. And, it, and we get off track. Come on, come on. We get off track. And there's a million different reasons that we get off track and we get called back to repentance. And it's important that you know this. God sent the prophets and their first duty was to call the people to repentance, to call them back to God, to change your thinking, change your direction and come back to God. Then if they did not respond, then the words of the prophets were words of doom and consequence and judgment. But remember, first was what? A call to repentance, which is actually the mercy of God. So we have in Bible history 350 years of this decline that is going down. As a result of that, the north, Israel, goes into exile. In 722 B.C., 
they fall uh, captive to and they go into exile with the Assyrians. In 526 BC, the south or Judah is captured and goes into exile by the Babylonians. The Babylonians then destroy Jerusalem and they destroy the temple, which is a centerpiece for them. Now, do you know what exile is? Do you really know what it is? If it happened to us, do you know what it would be? Someone would come in and conquer us, take away everything that is ours, move us away from everything we know, and go force us uh, to be and to do uh, in, in another place. How many of you know that would be absolutely horrendous? And why is this all happening? Why is this all happening? Because they're headed the wrong way. And so God had sent the prophets. Again, this is important. The prophets came to call them to repentance. And then if they didn't respond to that, then they would announce to them that, hey, something's going to happen. It's kind of like this. My mom, out to eat with family, friends, and my mom. My mom's in heaven now. Um, I helped to, never mind. And um, <laughs> misbehave at the table. Mom would warn What was that? Her calling me to repentance. And under the table, this ever happened to you? Mom would reach under the table and kind of like pinch your leg. Come on, anybody live where I lived? And you weren't allowed to show it here. And then you look over at mom and there's that look. Which was her prophetically calling you to repentance. And if you did not respond, guess what? She'd snatch you up and take you out of the room. And can I tell you, my mom never snatched me up and took me out of the room to put me in time out. There, there were other things that happened. All of this history that I just talked about, let me add on one other thing. The last thing that the prophets talked about was a Messiah is coming. A Messiah is coming, a Savior, a Deliverer, a Leader is coming. And that closes out Old Testament biblical history. And then the Bible goes silent for 400 years. Malachi closes, and before Matthew opens, there's 400 years of silence there. Again, it's important that we understand what was going on where each of the prophets were, or we're gonna, here's, here's what's going to happen. We're going to misunderstand the prophets. Further, we're going to misunderstand the Bible. Further, we're going to misunderstand God. And some people have a wrong view of God because they just crack open the Bible. It happens to be in the prophets and they see judgment. And they say, how is God so harsh and so judgmental and so mean? You're, you're dropping in, in the middle of the story. You're not seeing what all is going on. You're not seeing how God was so long-suffering and how merciful he was to actually, hey, let me warn you. And, and try to call you and try to help you to come out of that. And so it's very important that we understand the whole setting and where the prophets drop in. Because there's calls of repentance and then if there's no response, then judgment comes. Remember that judgment is always God's last resort. It's his last resort. Now let's look at this real quick. Prophet. Prophet. Everybody say prophet. Prophet speaks for God to the people. They're a messenger of God, a servant of God. This would be a, a person that God would use to speak into a situation or even to a season. God spoke to the prophets and through the prophets in dreams, in visions, in signs, and wonders, and symbols, and burdens, and most of all with words. And then a prophet would speak God's message. They were God's spokesperson. 
So you have, get this now, you have God-appointed prophets, and then guess what also rose up? Self-appointed prophets. So whenever you have the genuine article, you're usually going to have a counterfeit. Last time I was in New York City, I walked around a corner, and there's a guy, and he goes, hey, want to buy a Rolex? $20. Are you kidding me? Rolex? Yes. What is that? Counterfeit. You know, and it happens in ministry too. As Billy Graham said, some are sent, others just went. And so there are people in ministry that mm, maybe, maybe shouldn't be. They maybe should be doing something else. And so true back in this day, there were God-appointed prophets and there were self-appointed prophets. And let me just say this. There are strong warnings and strong punishment. Hear this. God does not take lightly at all people saying, God said... And God told me if, in fact, he has not. He is absolutely so strong in his warnings and in the consequences of that. So could I just caution all of us? Let me just caution all of us. Don't be too quick or too proud or whatever it would be that we're going around constantly saying, well, God said, and God told me, and God said, and God told me. Can I tell you how many times over the years people have come to me and said, well, God told me, God told us to get married. And then I, do you know what somebody's doing when they say God told me? They're stiff arming you and say, you can't ask any questions because me and God already got it worked out. And I don't know how many times over the years things like that, well, God told us to get married. And I go, well, what am I going to say? I, I wouldn't vote for it. <laughs> y'all have at it. And then before you know it, they're not together anymore because I guess God changed his mind. So we would be better to slow down a little bit, be a little more humble, to handle this a little more appropriately and perhaps say, I sense God leading. I sense God saying, um, I believe God is directing, but be careful about that. When we, when we came to Ocala 29 years ago, I didn't come into town and say, God told me, God sent me. That's no way to enter. Here's the way I entered. I hope that was you, God. And then handle that, tread lightly, and handle that appropriately so that um, you don't want to be in the place of saying God said when, in fact, perhaps God did not. Amen? Now, the prophets, though, they would say, thus says the Lord. We have two kinds of prophets, and i got a super-duper hurry as we run through the grocery store here. We have the major prophets and the minor prophets. And it doesn't mean these were better. And these are worse. It simply has to do with the length of their books. And so you have the major prophets, the minor prophets. Matter of fact, one of the minor prophets, Obadiah, 21 verses. That's all. Isaiah, major prophet, 66 chapters. But all of them have major prophecies, and that's why they're in the Bible. The last Old Testament prophet was Malachi, and then I says, as I said, 400 years of silence. Now, here we go. Let's, let's run through the story here. First one, Isaiah. Isaiah. And again, we're not going to look at them all. Isaiah, statesman, prophet in Judah. And during his time, the north, Israel, is, is destroyed, the ten tribes. He gave calls of repentance, but primarily what Isaiah did was talk and prophesy about a coming Messiah. And in Isaiah, we get some of the most powerful verses. We use some of them as, quote, Christmas verses. Look in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? It means God's with us. Who are we talking about here? 
We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus, the Messiah. And this was prophesied back in Isaiah. And let's go to Jeremiah real quick. Jeremiah also uh, wrote Lamentations. Jeremiah, please. He also wrote Lamentations. He's known as the weeping prophet. Whereas Isaiah had said, Lord, here am I, send me. Jeremiah said, please send anybody but me. And the Lord still sent him and the Lord gave him the words to speak. Yet they were, he wasn't, he was mostly ignored. His words were not well received, but here's what he was doing. He was calling them to repentance and his words didn't sit well with their, their chosen way of living. So he ended up in the, probably the roughest time of what was going on in Israel before they went into exile, warning them, warning them, warning them. They beat him, they arrested him, they threw him into a cistern, they exiled him, and tradition holds that they eventually stoned him to death. And remember again, that is before exile. Now let's go to Ezekiel real quick. Ezekiel. This is during exile for the south. They're in Babylonian uh, exile now. And what Ezekiel did, ready for this? He reminded them of what they did to get into this mess. They're in exile. Things are, can I put it this way for us? Things are messed up. Come on, you ever had things messed up? And what he came to do, God sent him to do, is to remind them, you know what you did that caused your life to be so messed up? Well, that can get old after a while. But in essence, he was saying, you are in captivity. Life is messed up because you, you ready? Because you turned from God. And in order for you to get back to your promised land, can I rephrase that? In order for you to get back to where you're supposed to be, where you want to be, do you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to turn to God again. Listen to me. This is a message for us this morning. If your life or parts of your life are messed up, now I'm not going to stand up here and tell you why it's messed up in particular, but I can tell you in general, I can tell you the core of it. It's messed up because your heart is turned from God in that area. And what you need to do if you want to get back into the land, if you want to get back to where it's supposed to be, you're going to need to return to God. Turn your heart and your mind. It's repentance. Turn back to God. Amen. <laughs> Quickly, Daniel. Daniel. Fascinating stories out of Daniel. The fiery furnace. The lion's den. The handwriting on the wall. And there wasn't anybody there, but there's handwriting on the wall. This is important for us now. And let me, let me tell you why. Because of the shift in our culture. Anybody here that's 30 years old or older, you know what I'm talking about. Our world has changed. Like it or not, and I don't even like to say it, but here's the reality. We are living in a post-Christian culture. It's irreligious. It is not faith-friendly. It is secular. And it is Babylon. And in Daniel... Daniel and some other godly men are exiled, taken into captivity, forced into service in Babylon that was not faith-friendly, very irreligious, very secular, very pagan. And so that's important for us because Daniel, the first half, everybody say the first half, the first half of Daniel tells us, shows us how you can live and how you can thrive in Babylon. Not just gripe and complain and talk about the good old days, but in the culture that we live in today, it gives us some incredible insight on how to live and how to thrive in the culture that we're in today. The first half of Daniel. Second half, a little different. Because what happened in the second half of Daniel's book is uh, it's prophecy about end times. 
And part of it is just not real clear. Some of it is clear. Some of it is not clear. Scholars, a number of scholars agree that, that perhaps part of the prophecy of end times in Daniel is still kind of locked. And here's why. Because God gave Daniel a vision and he said, write it down. Guess what if I had you write down a dream you had recently? Just write it down. It's like, okay, in my dream, um, we're in my house, but it wasn't my house. But in the dream, it was my house. And my mom came in, but it wasn't my mom, it was your mom. And Chip and Joanna were there. And a cow jumped over the moon. That's all I got. That's kind of the way the second half of Daniel is, okay? And so, you know, we have to pray that God will show and continue to unlock the incredible prophecies there. Let me move on. Hosea, Joel, and Amos. These are some of the minor prophets. Hosea, this is an important thing. Hosea was sent to the north, and and follow this. God told him to marry a harlot. He marries the harlot, and God instructed him, and you will love her always. And if she's unfaithful to you and comes back, you receive her. And she's unfaithful again, you love her and you receive her back. And she's unfaithful and she leaves, you pursue her. And you go after her and you say, wow, that's, that's pretty hard to do. But here's what God was doing. God was trying to show us in flesh and blood right in front of us the way he is with us. Because we go away again. We're unfaithful again. Uh, we come back again. Aren't you glad we can come back? Aren't you glad he pursues us? Come on, aren't you glad he loves us? It's a picture of God's unending love, his, his radical, uh, relentless grace to follow after us. Then you have Amos. Amos, who was, go back, Amos, who was a, a shepherd and a tree trimmer. He was a prophet's prophet. He feared God so much, and he feared only God, so that he was never afraid of anyone or anything else. That's a pretty powerful thing. Then we go to the book of Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And that ends the Old Testament, but let's look real quick in Haggai. Now, these three, and this is super important. You still with me? These three, this is, this is the return. This is post-exile. They come back into the promised land, which has been destroyed. Haggai, God uses him to speak through him that as they come back in to where they've been exiled from and where it's been destroyed, you know, we've, been, we've had pieces of that. Like you come back into an area after a hurricane or people come back into an area after a, a fire or, or flood or whatever and you come back into your area. What do we naturally do? We go and check on our stuff. We go check on my place and my stuff. And, and, but what was critically pivotal pivotally central to their whole culture and way of life was their temple. And what they did, they came in and they took care of their stuff. And yet the temple, God's house was lying in ruins. And God said, you've got the order wrong. He spoke through Haggai and he says, you know, you're taking care of your house. You're fixing up your stuff while my house lies in ruins and I'm your source and I'm your everything. It's okay that you take care of your stuff, but you know what? First things first, And we get three big words out of Haggai, and it's this, consider your ways. And I'm going to tell you the truth, and this is worth your read in Haggai. It says you're working hard to earn money, and you earn money, and it seems like you put it in bags that have holes in it. 
And you work hard to raise livestock and produce and all of those things. And it seems like things come in and eat it up or it dies or it falls apart or somebody steals it. And he says, you know what? Things aren't going right. And you know why they're not going right? Because you're not putting me first. And God says, you need to consider your ways. And that is a word for us this morning. Consider your ways. And things are not working. I'm telling you, because you don't have God as source. You don't have him as central. Just turn it around. Repent. And go back to God with your heart and your mind and consider your ways. And let's move quickly to Malachi. Malachi gives us a mini summary of the whole Old Testament. And then the last notes of Malachi point to there is a Messiah that is coming. And the book closes down, 400 years of silence. And then Matthew opens up and the Messiah comes. Now let me end with Malachi right here. He ends with this. He says, the most important thing, and this is the message for this morning, is your heart. He said, so you serve God, you give, and you do these things, but you gripe about it, even if you gripe about it on the inside. He said, don't you ever do that because God is looking at the heart. And he centers in on the whole idea of our level of generosity toward God and the people around us. And that is a key indicator of how our heart really is with God. And in the end, you know what? What is God looking at? What is he looking for? It's our hearts. It's our hearts. So the message of the prophets long ago, long ago, and we've just run through the prophets grocery store, okay? And we picked up a lot of things that we need today, and I pray that it will stir you up and that you can see that those words still apply for us today in the right context. And all of it points us back to a God. If life is going to work, God must be first. God must be central. Amen? Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? All right. Hey, real quick. Real quick, let me have every head bowed and every eye closed. Hey, if you're here today and you've never opened up your heart and received Jesus as your Savior, I believe you already know that's you. I believe that God's already dealing with your heart. And you'd say, you know what? Today's the day I need to do this. Perhaps you have a relationship with God and you'd say, I need to get some things right with the Lord. You know that's you as well. And this morning, we want to just give you an opportunity to take care of that. In a minute, I just want to lead you in a prayer. But first of all, I want to give you a chance to respond. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you come forward or do anything like that. But if that is you, you know that's you this morning, that you'd say, I want, I want to open my heart. I want to receive Jesus. I need Jesus. I need God first in my life. Or you'd say, I'm a Christian, but I need to get some things right with the Lord today. If that is you this morning, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that would be you, would you just boldly just slip your hand up right where you are? If that's you, I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. Now, will you hold your hand up good and high, and our ushers are going to come. They're going to come and put a card in your hand. Don't be afraid of that. I'll tell you about the card in a minute. But if that's you this morning, you'd say, I want to receive Jesus, or I need to get some things right with the Lord today. Just lift your hand up good and high. And our usher's going to come very quickly as soon as they see you. Hold your hand up until they see you. They're going to put a card in your hand. I'll tell you about the card in just a moment. Here's what we want to do first. We're going to pray. Everybody pray with me right now. Father God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you never give up on me. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior, as my Lord. Be first place in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me in this life. Give me a home in heaven forever. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now look at me real quick. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, guess what? You're born again. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. You're in the family of God. And you may say, uh, don't I need to do more? Uh, Shouldn't it be harder than this? Jesus did the heavy lifting. 
He wants you with your heart to, to believe him and to receive. And by simple prayer, we begin a relationship with God. Now, let me talk about the card just real quick. The card, uh, very minimal information we want on there. And that is only for this purpose so that we can get back in touch with you quickly because we want to give you some information. We don't want anything from you. We want to give you some information to help you in that walk and in that relationship with God. So please, before you leave, take the time to fill out that card. There'll be ushers at the door holding some buckets. Just drop it in there, and we're going to get back in touch with you real quick. Just with inf- Again, we don't want anything from you. We just want to help you in that relationship with God. If you wanted a card, didn't get a card, they'll have those at the door as well, and we'll be back in touch with you as well. Amen? Well, it has been a great morning. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet? Be a blessing. Keep your peace. Walk in joy. Have an awesome day in God. Doctor's orders. God bless you. You're dispensed. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.